Got 20 minutes? Then you have time for a Bible study. Jesus, name above all names, I worship you. Jesus, you're worthy to be praised, I worship you. Welcome to another episode of 20-Minute Bible Studies. Romans 10:17 says that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Over the next several minutes, you're going to hear an important message directly from God's Word and have your faith and knowledge increased. All you have to do is listen. Now, here are your teachers. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm Jordan Pine. And I'm Andy Baylog. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please join us as we open our hearts, put on our spiritual goggles, and take a deep dive into God's Word today. We will look carefully at the meaning behind a very simple and often quoted verse in Scripture. We will learn why it's important to apply this into all aspects of our lives, and then by doing so, gain a greater perspective and appreciation of just how awesome our God is. I'm excited, Andy. Let's listen now to the Word of God. A reading from the letter to the Hebrews, chapter 13. Remember those who led you, who spoke the word of God to you, and considering the result of their conduct, imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do not be carried away by varied and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace. That was Hebrews 13, verses 7 to 8, and part of verse 9. Before attempting to interpret Scripture, we always use the SPACE method. SPACE is an acronym that we created to remind Bible students to consider the speaker, SP, the audience, A, and the context, C, before attempting an explanation, E. So let's use the SPACE method on today's Scripture reading. Okay, Jordan, so the speaker in the book of Hebrews is an elder. He's a respected church leader. However, the specific writer is actually unknown. And as we mentioned in prior lessons, most theologians believe that the author of Hebrews was the Apostle Paul, based on clues in the way this letter was written. You know, a few scholars have even argued that it might have been written by Barnabas, Silas, Luke, or even Philip, among others. But what's ultimately important is that the author is the Holy Spirit. Yeah, to support this truth, the Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Timothy 3.16 that all the things written in the Bible are, quote, inspired by God, or literally God-breathed, and are, quote, profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. And then he continues in the very next verse by saying, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. So regardless of who gets the credit as the writer, we know the author is God himself. Amen. So now moving on, the audience here are the Hebrew Christians. Now when studying scripture, it's vital that we keep in mind whether or not a passage of scripture is written directly to the Jews or the Gentiles or both. Why? Because the message to the Jews was apparently different than the Gentiles. And the Jewish people during biblical times and prior to the cross were nationally saved just by being God's people. They were the chosen ones by God. However, as our founder, Pastor Gary Whipple, used to say, they were saved on a layaway plan. 
Yeah, the layaway plan, that's a, that's a great analogy to use because their salvation hadn't yet been paid. The price hadn't been paid exactly. by Jesus Christ. Right? Exactly. The Gentiles had no such heritage. God has always dealt with them individually as the ingrafted wild olive branch into the natural cultivated olive tree. And you can check out Romans 11, verse 11 to 24 to see that analogy. So the audience here is Hebrew Christians, Hebrews that were faithful to the Old Testament and that were now saved by faith in Jesus Christ's finished work on the cross, having learned of the New Testament. Another important question to ask yourself when trying to identify with the audience whenever studying Scripture is, if these are Christians, were these mature or immature Christians in their faith? Well, it's apparent from this letter, Jordan, that they were somewhat immature because they needed to be reminded in prior chapters in the book of Hebrews that the Old Covenant no longer applied, and the rituals and traditions of Judaism lacked any true spiritual power moving forward. Good point. So to support this, let's read Hebrews 5, 12 to 14. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food or meat, for everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is an infant. But solid food or meat is for the mature, who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. Yeah, and it's very important to understand what you're saying, Andy, as we set up this lesson, because it, you have to distinguish between milk teachings and meat teachings. Yeah, definitely. And it's, it's also, you know, it's a little oversight, but... You know, a lot of times when we study scripture, well, like we talked in, in, in prior lessons that we did, sometimes pastors or Bible study groups will take one or two verses and kind of center the whole study around that. But when you're reading through the Bible, reading it in context, just right. kind of streaming through it, if you're starting at Hebrews chapter 5 and going to today's verse in 13, you know, you're only about a five-minute conversation away from this point. Mm -hmm. And at this point here in Hebrews 5, Paul is saying, you guys are just immature. Right. So... Keep that in mind when he goes to today's verse, where he's talking about God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's trying to explain to these, you know, somewhat immature Christians, these new Christians, right. that Jesus is, is so much more than you think he is. Right. Yeah, and I also wanted to mention, you know, everyone, whenever you form a group, you develop your own little jargon and lingo. And one of the things that you might hear often on this show, if you're new to it, is this, is the words milk and meat referring to spiritual doctrines. And just in case you were confused by that or ever wanted to know where that comes from, that comes from this, this uh, passage from Hebrews that you just read, you know, the, the milk being the elementary principles and the meat being the, the stronger food, the, the message of the kingdom, really, for the people that are spiritually mature enough to be able to chew it and digest it. Exactly. Um, as for the context of today's scripture, it's a time of intensifying persecution. That's important to understand. You know, this is a few years before A.D. 70, which is when Emperor Titus and Commander Tiberius sacked Jerusalem and destroyed the temple, a very significant event in, in prophecy and in history. And, you know, being a Christian at this time was super dangerous, and it meant real physical risk. We, we have trouble relating to that uh, here in America because life is so great. It's a Christian nation at its root. But back then, um, you know, they, these Christians suffered deeply for their faith. Hebrews 11.37 says they were stoned, they were sawn in two, that sounds horrible. They were, they were tempted, less horrible, but still a, a big uh, problem in that day. They were put to death with the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins. They were destitute, afflicted, ill-treated. I mean, they, they suffered every kind of suffering. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, just you mentioned temptation. You know, imagine a Roman soldier putting a, a sword to my throat 
and telling me, deny Jesus Christ or we're going to kill your wife or kill your children. So yeah. there's that temptation yeah, right. to do that, you know? So it was a tough time for sure. And also at the same time, Jordan, the Levitical priesthood and sacrificial system were still in place for those of you who know your Old Testament. So there was much temptation and pressure to backslide into Jewish practices and downplay the glory of Jesus Christ. You know, some dishonest believers even went as far as to downgrade Jesus as to just being an angel. So it's safe to say that during this time, the gospel was starting to be compromised. Motives probably ranged from fear of death, fear of torture, or even fear of what Old Testament abiding Hebrews might think of those people who are a part of or even supported this new sect called Christianity. You know, so to help us better understand the context of today's verse, we should read and discuss a few prior verses written in Hebrews, and it's in Hebrews chapter 10. Now, these verses will set the tone for why we're studying today's verse, which is in Hebrews 13.8. So, Jordan, if you could pick up in verse 12 of Hebrews 10. Sure. Verse 12 of chapter 10 says, But he, having offered one sacrifice for sins for all time, the speaking of Jesus Christ, of course, sat down at the right hand of God. And I think that phrase, right hand of God, and where he's sitting right now is critical because we've talked about this before, the three offices of Jesus Christ. He's a prophet, priest, and king. Right now he's in his high priest role. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's kind of like saying, you know, he's God the Father's you know, right-hand man, if you will. So he accomplished what he came out to do as a prophet. He delivered the word, which is what we read today and study and we live by, for he is the word. And not only that, but we have, and we're going to talk about this a little later, we have him in this new special position that we often don't take advantage of to the fullest. Yeah, the, the right hand, what you brought up, it really uh, brings to life the idea of a high priest. What was a high priest from the order of Aaron? He was an intercessor. Correct. Uh, verse 14 says, For by one offering he has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. Yeah, I love that verse, Jordan, because perfected is, is a permanent word. It means it's over, it's done, it happened one time, right. and it will not alter, it will not change. So when we think about that, you know, we have to apply our salvation to that. And what Jesus did was just perfect, and I think there's no other way to, to go around that. When we start trying to include our works, our petty life, into what Jesus ultimately did for sin in general, you know, it wasn't that Jesus saved us individually. What he did was he saved us from the penalty of sin, because sin itself throughout all of mankind, is what caused every one of us to be separated from God the Father. Mm. So what he did was he changed what the first Adam did by you know giving up what he was his position for mankind because of sin. And now he altered history and he changed it. He bridged the, the separation there by paying for sin in general. So I think a lot of people, sometimes they have the, the cart before the horse and they mm -hmm. try to think that, well, he paid for our sins. Now we got to stop sinning. And absolutely, for, for different reasons, we promote not sinning. We promote living holy and righteous, but for the right reason. Right. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, perfected for all time, that there's an allusion to what you were talking about earlier, which is one of the main temptations of the day, which was to backslide into thinking that you needed the blood of sheep and goats and a, a sacrifice, that, that Judaizer mentality. And he's saying here that by one offering— once and for all, yeah. for all time, you know, that, that was taken care of. We don't need to do those, fall back into those practices. Amen. Uh, verse 17, skipping ahead, says, And their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Yeah, I think that goes along with what we were just talking about. You know, God the Father doesn't look anymore upon sin as the way to judge people. At this point, it's more about, do you accept Jesus Christ as the one who paid for your sin? 
who was standing in the gap because he really is the bridge. And there's no way you're going to get from here to there mm-hmm. without a bridge. If, if we try to get from this side to that side, we're going to fall right into the canyon. So I think that's, that's a good point to, uh, for, for our listeners at home to kind of visualize. And then comes a pair of verses 26 and 27 of chapter 10, which are, which are really core. And they say, For if we go on sinning willfully, after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a terrifying expectation of judgment and the fury of a fire which will consume the adversaries. Can you unpack that a little bit, Andy? Yeah, Jordan. I mean, just to keep it you know, simple, I mean, just because we know we have everlasting life and we understand what Jesus Christ did, we shouldn't take advantage of that mm. because God is still going to judge Christians. It might not be the same judgment or the same place where the non-believer is going to go, but there is going to be punishment for a Christian who tries to cheat the system and take advantage of their freedom. Great way of putting it. Uh, verses 29 to 31 say, How much severer punishment do you think he will deserve who has trampled underfoot the Son of God? Now, these, these are very strong words. And as regarded as unclean the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified, and as insulted the spirit of grace. For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Yeah, this is a very controversial group of verses here, but I, I love that. And I know we're both on the same point here. Mm-hmm. I think we have the same mindset. A couple key points I just want to bring out for today's study is number one, that this person that he's talking about insulted the spirit of grace. So it's someone that has insulted someone who received grace. That's number one. And then moving on, the Lord will judge his people. Mm -hmm. So here we know that who's in mind here, who's the point to is, again, a Christian. And if you look at, well, what is insulting someone with the spirit of grace means? It's like me telling someone who is a Christian that accepts Jesus Christ that they are going to hell. That, you know what, your sin is so bad, you don't deserve to go to heaven. That person's going to hell. They're going to rot in the lake of fire. God is saying, I'm going to judge you for that. Mm -hmm. Because, look, their sin and my feelings about their sin or what they did to me possibly is nowhere in comparison to how awesome the work of Jesus Christ was. Yes, Jesus Christ's finished work on the cross is the ultimate work of all time. And anything or anyone who tries to downgrade grace and what Jesus Christ is doing is actually insulting God. It's insulting the Lord. It's insulting the cross. Yeah, so while you cannot lose your salvation, this is the most severe punishment, and he uses that word, severe punishment, in this passage. That is to be someone who is a false shepherd or a false teacher and actually misleads people who have received grace astray. That, that throughout the Bible, throughout the New Testament, are the, the harshest terms that are used to describe what happens to those people Again, if they're saved, they still don't go to the lake of fire, but they do go to a place we've talked about before called the blackness of darkness, yeah. and uh, it, it, it's really bad. So of all things to worry about as a Christian, when you read this verse, you're like, oh, oh my goodness, is, is this a sin, this sin that I'm doing, or that sin that I did? You know, is that going to get me this severe punishment? No. This is specific, and it, you can almost feel the anger coming through at these people that existed back then that were corrupting God's church by trying to get people to lose their, their assurance, and their salvation. You know, um, I know we, have, we don't have that much time, but one thing I just wanted to point to, and maybe our, our listeners at home can go back and read this and study this in context. I'm sure m- most of us have read in Scripture where Jesus is telling the Jews at the time, 
what the unforgivable sin is, mm-hmm. right? Trying to figure out well, what's the unforgivable sin. But if you remember what was going on, Jesus said, you know, you can curse me all day, but if you curse the Holy Spirit, right. that's unforgivable in this age and in the age to come. So basically what he was saying is, if somebody has the Holy Spirit, which didn't which didn't arrive at the time because Pentecost didn't arrive. Yeah. But if one day you mock someone or or call someone Beelzebub or a demon or or Satan or anything evil who has the Holy Spirit, you're you're do what you're doing again is you're you're disgracing the cross and what that meant. So yeah. but moving on, Jordan, um, I'm gonna read a couple really quick here. Okay. Hebrews ten thirty five reads, Therefore do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. And that simply just means Look, our confidence is not confidence that we're going to go to heaven. Our confidence is that by staying on a righteous path, God is going to reward us more than just everlasting life. There's so much more. Right. And then Hebrews 10.38 reads, But by my righteousness one shall live by faith, and if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. So here we see that it's not that someone is shrinking back to where they they forfeit their salvation, but what they're doing is they're forfeiting their inheritance as being part of the the kingdom of heaven. That's a quote from the Old Testament, right? That's correct. Yes. So before we move on, let's keep in mind that the context of these verses is judgment. What Jesus Christ has done for those who believe in him pertaining to their sins and why, now that we believe, we should live in appreciation of this. So we know the speaker audience and context of our scripture. We're ready to attempt an explanation. Let's hear today's scripture one more time. Andy, I'll go ahead and read the key one that we're going to focus on, which is Hebrews 13.8. And that says, Jesus Christ is, the Amplified Bible adds, eternally changeless always, the same yesterday and today and forever. Okay, Jordan. So here are some key points to consider that would help us understand the depth of the truth in that verse. Number one, Jesus Christ is God. This verse shows his immutability and that he can never change. Jesus Christ is impeccable. He cannot sin. Remember when Satan attempted to get him to sin during the temptations in the desert? It was impossible for him to sin. We should never say, quote unquote, Jesus passed this test because he did not allow this to be written, which is what we read today, to prove that he would not sin. No, he wanted to prove to us that he could not sin for he is God. Because remember, he knew everything that would happen to him beforehand. And keep in mind, this verse speaks of his person or character, not what he does. In other words, it's, it's important to remember that there are dispensations or time periods in the Bible where God deals with different people at different times in different ways. Yeah, and we spoke, we spoke about that when we talked about the message to the Jews being slightly different to the Gentiles, the, the layaway plan versus the, versus the engrafted. So yeah, you're right to make that point, but his person or character transcends that, I think is what you're saying. You know, yesterday and today and forever, it, that tells us that Jesus always was, is, and always will be. He's the all in all. All things were made through him, the Bible says, for him, to him. I mean, there, there is this sense of uh, omniscience and, and um, omnipresence of Jesus Christ. Sure. And then, uh, you know, I, I think of Colossians 1, 15 to 20. You know, th- this is a very important passage that resonates with what we're studying today. It says, The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. We just uh, spoke about that. He is before all things, and in, in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. 
For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. Very key verse. In him dwelt the fullness of, of God bodily. Amen. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Yeah, and there it is, Jordan. So Jesus Christ is all God and all man. God's will shall always be done. It's very important to, to believe that and understand that. He is omniscient. And when it comes to people, he wrote everyone's life story. That is a fact. And we believers know we have salvation. For the Bible, his word tells us so, just like the song goes. So therefore, we must take the Bible as truth and then carefully and faithfully abide by it. And remember, trusting everything that the Bible says exercises our faith in Jesus Christ directly. Remember that verse in Hebrews 11:6, and it teaches us what is the only way to please God. And that verse reads, And without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Yeah, and again, you mentioned that th these teachings were going to be on the milk side, but again, going back to the main um, sort of false teaching, which, which is the context here, of the day and, and of today, it is to try to put cracks in that foundation. So it's, it is important, even for spiritually mature meat eaters, to, to remember this and to speak it to other believers, because these things have ways of creeping in, and we start to have that doubt about the, the solidity and, and, uh, of our foundation and, and really who Jesus was. There, to this day, there are so many controversies and false doctrines working their way into church, churches and denominations about who he was, who he might have been, the historical Jesus, you'll see it on TV. And it's, it's really important to remember these verses we read today that are so powerful and emphatic about the fact that he was God, he is, he's eternal, he's the all in all. Yeah, exactly. He's not just a point in time, he is time. Right. So to get to our conclusion and our everyday takeaway here, just remember that if God loved you once, as per John 3.16, he loved you forever. If God saved you once, he saved you forever. Exactly. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that's our lesson, which means we have just a few minutes to explain our initiative, Get 20, Give 20. Get 20 is our reminder that you can get a 20-minute Bible study anytime you like by visiting our website. We archive all lessons and make them available for free at 20minutebiblestudies.org. You can listen online or download them for later or even subscribe to the podcast version and have new lessons automatically delivered to your favorite smart device. Even more important, our website is the place where you can join in our Bible studies by sharing your comments and asking any questions you may have. And we have a growing Facebook community and a discussion forum. When you're on our site, you should also sign up for email alerts so we can let you know when new lessons have been added. Also, when you sign up for email alerts, our first email back to you will include a link to a special series we put together titled 10 Mind-Blowing Things You Didn't Know Were in the Bible. It's an eye-opening set of Bible lessons, and it's our little thank you for joining our online community. It's all online at 20minutebiblestudies.org. Or, if you don't want to type so much, 20mbs.org will get you there faster. Moving on to Give 20. This is our special initiative to reach as many spiritually hungry Christians as we can. We know so many Christians find it hard to make time to study God's Word and then feel guilty they're unable to do it. Studying the Word of God is so vital to our spiritual growth, and yet it can be so hard sometimes to find a good study group and then attend that group on a regular basis. This is why we created 20-Minute Bible Studies. Everyone can find 20 minutes for God, and now, with this audio program, that's all Christians will need. They can listen to a Bible study whenever and wherever they like. 
The Give 20 initiative is your chance to participate in this great ministry and receive the special blessings that come from spreading God's Word. Thanks for joining us for another 20-minute Bible study. Special thanks to the family of Pastor Gary T. Whipple, to the Abundant Life Worship Center for the music for our show, and to Tom Pine for our scripture reading. I'm Steve Zioli, and until next time, may the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. Mysteries of the Kingdom, Incorporated.